Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Limitless Grit Podcast. Today's episode is with the absolutely incredible and talented Hilary Scheinbaum. She is writer, reporter, blogger, and a TV personality and has been doing freelance in New York City for years. Hillary has contributed to dozens of publications including Elle, Wall Street Journal, People.com, and Huffington Post to name the few. One of the reasons I wanted her in my podcast is because she is working as a freelance writer and living in New York City for years. As a millennial, most of us want to write our own destiny. We want to work for ourselves, but we don't realize how hard it is or how to even get started. So Hillary has been doing this for years and she's sharing her experience, her story, and telling us how you can actually be a freelance writer while living in one of the most expensive cities in the world. So guys, I learned so much from her. She has an amazing story. She talks about her experience from moving to Florida to New York City, quitting her job and telling her physician parents that she's going to be a freelance writer and now work full-time at a corporate job and, you know, just becoming who she is. So this has been an amazing interview and I have personally learned so, so much from her. So I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed creating it. And without further ado, Hillary. All right, Hillary, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. So are you from New York or where are you originally from? So I was born on Long Island and I moved to South Florida when I was four. I grew up there and I went to college at Florida State and then graduated from the University of Florida and moved to New York shortly after. Wow. Yeah. So you moved New York by yourself, right? I did. Um, I moved here not knowing anyone except my grandparents who are on Long Island. I have family in New Jersey. And um, I think there might have been like two or three people that I had gone to college with. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, New York was a complete and total mystery to me. Uh I mean, I came to New York from Nepal and I came with my family. So it was kind of easier for me to, you know, adjust. But Mm -hmm. how was it just coming by yourself, not knowing that many people? It was, um, you know, I'm a very social person in general, so I didn't have trouble meeting people. Although I will say as far as adjusting goes, having grown up in Florida, when January rolled around, even when like November rolled around, buying boots, buying a coat, (laughs) that was completely foreign to me because I grew up in flip-flops and, you know, t-shirts my entire life. So that was a bit of a struggle, but, um... I think meeting people and making friends is easy. Work obviously has its challenges and, you know, kind of adapting to a lifestyle that isn't um, like your college lifestyle is just <laughs> is insane too. But um, yeah, I could go on forever ever about that. But, but yeah, for the most part, um, you know, just getting here and meeting people wasn't, wasn't too crazy. So you did work for two, two and a half years here at, um, was it publishing? I did public relations. Okay. So when I first moved to New York, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an editor. Um, I was applying for those jobs at magazines and my degree from UF was in public relations. So I figured I had the background. I knew, you know, what publicity was about and I applied for some jobs and, um, I had I got one, but not not the original first interview that I had. That didn't work out. <laughs> when you decided, to, I mean, I think every all of my friends, right? Everyone wants to do what you're doing. You're traveling to Mexico for your work, and yeah. you know you constantly travel. And and I've like read your work. It's not just about one topic. It's about food. Then you talk about nail polish. You talk about makeup. Then you talk about you know celebrities. So. Everyone wants your life as far as, as much as I know. So how did you start building this career? Was it like an instant thing after you quit or were you building it while you were at your work? Definitely not an instant thing. It was not an overnight thing. I would almost like to say that this has been, let's say, how old was I? Um, so right now I'm 29. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would say that my writing career has kind of been in motion since high school. Mm -hmm. So I always like wrote for, you know, I was the editor in chief of my yearbook. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote for my college newspapers throughout my entire four years. Um, I, even in high school, I was like the literary magazine editor. There was always something that I was writing. Mm -hmm. And so even when I got my job in public relations, a lot of that is writing as well. It's not necessarily what I wanted to write about. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the most exciting topics all the time, but that was part of, you know, uh, my background and my education. So when I went to finally, you know, quit my desk job and pursue something that wasn't PR and that was like full-time writing, I didn't know that this was the path that was going to unfold. I, you know, was a publicist and I started blogging for the Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first article that I wrote actually had to do with high school. Um, It was about me growing out my hair and donating it for lots of love. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just something that I cared about and that I wanted to write Mm -hmm. and that I felt compelled to share with people because it was such an important part of my childhood. I, at this point, I think I've donated my hair like five times over the course of like 15 years, which is, I don't know how my hair grows so fast, but, um, yeah, when I was doing PR and I was, um, looking to get out, writing was always my outlet. So I was definitely building my portfolio while I had a full-time job. What was that point when you were like, you know what? I can't take it anymore. Um, I don't know if there was just like one point, I think everybody has in their head. I think after a while, it kind of like chips away at you or you're like, okay, maybe I'm just having a bad week or like, maybe this isn't for me. And then the next week comes around and you're like, all right, here were the highs and here were the lows. And then, you know, week by week, you kind of, it's the same theme. You realize, okay, if it's not this specific job, maybe it's another job or maybe it's this career or maybe this is just not working for me and I need to, you know, look inside myself and and really think about what it is that I want to do. Were you like planning it out? I'm going to quit. Um, not really. I mean, I knew and I was looking for, for writing jobs. And then one day I just, I was like, I'm not going to do this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to build my portfolio. I was blogging for the Huffington post, which is unpaid and I was speaking with a few editors and, um, similarly to you and I had discussed when I left Florida and I told my parents that I wanted to live in New York and, um, they didn't fully support it. I said, I, I would come back to Florida if I didn't get a job. Um, and so that same conversation took place when I quit my PR job <laughs> and I said to my parents, you know, I have this many months left on the lease. I can I can sustain myself until it's it's over. And if I don't get a job that I, you know, is going to pay my rent and my bills, then I'll come back to Florida and I'll do something else. Um, so I, I gave myself a little bit of boundary, um, but I really, I didn't know that it was going to turn out the way it did. <laughs> That's courageous. It's That's... Cra- it's it's a little bit crazy though. Like looking back at it. But I think everyone has that dream, right? I mean, I know so many of my friends that are like, yeah, I want to be a writer, I want to travel, but the difference between people who do it and don't is take that step step in faith and just do it. And that's pretty remarkable that you took that shot and listened to your intuition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the first move. Like, you just have to kind of pull the trigger and just it's a leap of faith. Um, it's also terrifying. It's, it's in the same sentence. It's like the most terrifying thing that you'll ever do. And the most liberating thing that you'll ever do. It's just like, take a chance, like do it, you know? Yeah. I've heard like the feeling of being unemployed is equal to like losing someone. So, you know, it makes sense because if you think about it, it's like, it's like having stability, right? Mm -hmm. And you are consistently, going and seeing the same people at work. You are consistently doing the same, you know, job day to day. You have the same schedule. You have a routine that you become comfortable with. You have security. You have security, Mm -hmm. whether it's financial or just, I want to say like mental security because it's the routine becomes 
so familiar and so like almost calming. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as you don't have that, you kind of look around and you're like, what, am, what yeah. is going on? It's like, as a human being, we're supposed to survive. And yeah. we have this, our brain is not evolved, even if we have. And it's like, if you don't have a job or if you don't have a tribe, you feel like, I'm going to die. So it's just interesting that we think that not having a job equals to not being able to feed ourselves or not being able to take care of ourselves. You know, and it's funny because like having a job means so many things to different people, right? Obviously feeding yourself, clothing yourself, putting a roof over your head, you know, having a routine, having something to look forward to every day. And also for many people, including myself, it becomes your social circle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure we'll touch more on this later, but I've made so many friends that have become such large parts of my life Mm -hmm. through work, whether it was like writing about them or writing about their clients or even when I did PR, like sitting next to them every day, like you rely on them. Um, almost, I don't want to say as much as your family, but a lot of people spend as much time, if not more time with their coworkers and their colleagues rather than, you know, their parents or their kids or, or that sort of thing. So yeah. How did you get, lift yourself up and kept moving, you know? Because I'm sure after you quit, you must be, I, I don't want to use the word depressed, but you must be really low point in your life. And I don't know if I ever had a point where I felt depressed from not having a job. I definitely felt scared and nervous and almost like what is my identity Mm -hmm. um especially in new york because when you you know you go out you socialize you're with your friends yeah what do you do that's like the first question that people ask you and it's not even like to be rude or to like categorize you and say like okay you're this kind of person because you have this kind of job Mm -hmm. but it does make people feel more comfortable in conversations to know what you do with your life every single day absolutely so that was a little bit um, interesting because you have to explain yourself. Yes, because I had to, to say, well, I was a publicist and I quit, so now I'm kind of trying to be a writer, but also looking for jobs. And and essentially, you know, yeah. it puts you in the category of okay, so you are um, unemployed and kind of a starving artist. But at the same time, it was like no, because I know mm-hmm. what I want to do. Absolutely. But even now, like I, I still, my sentence is like my explanation is not a one sentence. Because you do a lot Ordeal. of things. I, so you're not just yeah. like a you, <laughs> Right. You know, you're like TV and you do a bunch of other stuff. Right. And even the topics that I write about, it depends on who I'm speaking with. Because mm-hmm. if somebody... Um, it's funny, like, I've become friendly with a lot of people in the social media community. And I've done, you know, these videos for Instagram. And even, even last night, I met somebody and they said, oh, I know you from somewhere you did these cooking videos on this Instagram. Brunch and I, Boys, right? I exactly. <laughs> My friend Jeremy, he runs uh, an Instagram called Brunch Boys. Mm-hmm. And we collaborated on that. And so many people will recognize me for that, for social media, in the category of food. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in, in the next three days, I'm going to be traveling and writing a travel story about, like, Mexico. And... The next day, I might be on the red carpet interviewing a celebrity about their fitness regimen. So that's all health and fitness and and that sort of thing and wellness. And every day is different. So anyway, it's hard to explain even now. But back in the day, yeah, when I quit my job, um, that was definitely a challenge. Wow. What do you love writing most about? Oh, you know, I love writing about food and I love talking to people. So I do enjoy interviewing celebrities. Um, I like being able to have conversations with people and extract things that maybe the general public isn't aware of. And I just love the interview process. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I love food because I like to eat it, (laughs) but I like talking to people. So that really applies to everything, whether it's celebrities or if it's in the category of beauty, it's makeup artists, if it's chefs, if it's um, just really anything, like health, fitness instructors, talking to doctors every day 
about <laughs> so many random things I can't even tell you that I never would have known about otherwise. You talk to um, doctors every day? Well, I've, I've been writing a lot of health articles lately. You should be Dr. Mike. And, Dr. Mike. He's like the hottest doctor on Instagram. No, but maybe I need to meet him. He's so hot. <laughs> I've been uh, talking to a lot of, um, this is so random, but like pediatricians and um, OBGYNs because I've been writing a lot of women's health articles lately about pregnancy, which obviously I've never had a child, so I know nothing wow. about personally, but it's opened, you know, an entire world um, about that. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, like, I've read your work, and it's really captivating. What does it take to be and What does it take to be a great writer? Um, I think a lot of practice. I also, and I don't mean that in, like, the sense of, hey, you should, you know, kind of pull out your journal and start writing, which you should. But um, I think that it's also a matter of researching and talking to people. I think the biggest part about journalism that people um maybe don't consider is just being able to talk to strangers and interview them and not having a filter and really kind of putting your job before a lot of maybe not normal like social cues for example um it's an unnatural thing Mm -hmm. so for four and a half years, I worked as a red carpet reporter, and my main job was to, to ask people about the most personal parts of their lives, meaning their babies, their bodies, and their boyfriends. So imagine this. You are walking down the street, and you don't know somebody, but you need to extract that information about, say they just broke up with somebody, and you're asking a celebrity, hey, like how are you doing like how are you coping with your breakup or tell me about your child or um you know even if it's something as simple as you just lost five pounds you look great but what if they just put on five pounds and you need to ask them about that so it's not necessarily that that's you know the topic of conversation for every article that i write but i think that um if anybody wants to pursue journalism and writing you need to practice and get comfortable talking to people about topics that might take time sometimes to like you know get acquainted with people and get used to um and you got to be bold about it you got to put your your job kind of first before those those social cues was this something natural to you or did you have to like learn a skill um i think it was mostly no, like <laughs> I got thrown into the fire. My first interview um, for Us Weekly, this was, I want to say almost eight years ago, maybe like seven years ago. I was tasked to interview the cast of the Jersey Shore. <laughs> and they had, everyone had just watched season one and they had just finished filming season two in Miami, but nobody had seen it yet. And so I was living in Florida at the time and I drove down to Miami and my editor and I had discussed the questions um, beforehand and really the information that they wanted to know mm-hmm. for, you know, the piece in that was going to appear in print. And one of the questions was about, if you recall, Ronnie and Sam, who are the famously, you know, fighting couple in every scene. Um <laughs> And at the time, the two had broken up. And I didn't know that because we hadn't seen season two. And it just happened. And so um, walking into it, I I specifically remember asking Sam, I said, you know, what's going on with you and Ronnie? And she was uh, taken back by it because, you know, it's a very sensitive thing. I think they had probably just broken up like a week or two ago. And she didn't want to talk about it. And she was not happy or enthused to do so um and i just had to remember not to take it personally Mm. this wasn't you know me having girl talk and chatting with my friends and um you know this was i came here to work and she came here to work and so that's how it played out didn't work (laughs) yeah i mean that (laughs) happens all the time though you know you show up to a red carpet um or an interview and you're there to 
you know, share this information with the masses. It's, yeah. you know, but it's, it's hard. What's your best moment in yeah. red carpet? Like one you can never forget. Um, there are a lot. I, I was telling you earlier about, um, I did the red carpet for World War Z with Brad Pitt and I never get starstruck, but in this moment I completely like blacked out and forgot my name. <laughs> I got the questions out, which I'm amazed by. I don't know how it happened, but I think like in my brain, like internally, I was like, okay, Hillary, like you need like words, like use them, speak, ask a question. Um, so that was pretty cool. Cause, wow. cause I mean, I could name, you know, reality stars all day, every day. And I could, yeah. I have a million stories about actors and actresses, but Brad Pitt is one name that I don't think well, anybody will ever be like, who's that? It's true. So that was a cool one. That is amazing. I want to ask you a question. So when you said uh, to your, your, both of your parents are physicians, mm-hmm. one of your brother is a dentist, the other one is in law school, I yep. believe. So when you told your parent, parents you're quitting your job and you're mm-hmm. going to be a blogger, what was the reaction? Oh, man. I mean, no. Um, my <laughs> mom... I think her dream was that I would go to law school. I took the LSAT. Um, I I tried. Um, no, I, did, I actually never applied to law school. But, you know, I know that they always kind of knew in the back of their minds that I wasn't going to be a doctor. Um, obviously, they had hoped that I would be a lawyer. But in the long run, I they didn't understand the creative path that I was on. I mean, I didn't fully understand it until things started, you know, developing, but I think that they were very scared and nervous, um, especially about freelance life because that's not stable and that's not a career path where you go to school specifically to, you know, do one thing and then you climb the corporate ladder or in their case, you know, you go to med school, you go and you do your residency and your internship and, you become certified in this, that, and the other. And same with my brothers, you know, they're on very strict paths where you have to take boards or you have to take, um, the bar and you have, you have like mile markers. And for my career, my mile markers are the ones that I have to create. They're goals that I have to set for myself and either I achieve them and I'm successful or I'm not. Um, so I think that coming from, such paths that both of my parents did and even their parents did um they had a lot of questions and (laughs) they still have a lot of questions but I, I think now you know they have a better understanding and they know what I'm capable of and what I've done but um you know to hear that your child is going to quit their job and live in New York City I don't think any parent is like oh great (laughs) good so you said that you set your own goals but you've worked with more than 45 publications Mm -hmm. and you know you have a really good track record of you know working with big companies how do you go about getting to work for like us weekly or people or all these big magazines so I, um, I interned for People Magazine in their PR department um, about, the, oh my gosh, it was like nine years ago now, eight years ago. And um, that was something I applied for. And Us Weekly as well. I found a listing and I applied for it. And I had already had that background of interviewing people and, um, you know, writing for my, my school newspaper. I had that portfolio. Um, I think... As far as the larger publications, that's, I mean, obviously Us Weekly and People Magazine are very large publications, but um, you always have to kind of think about what's next. Mm -hmm. And it's important to focus on on the task at hand, but I think it's always a good idea to, you know, want to be more ambitious and want more and um, expand your reach. So... For me, I think that it was always helpful that I had those writing samples and I had that experience from writing about other things um, that weren't necessarily celebrity related, but just like I said, like talking to people and interacting and knowing how to ask questions is so important in journalism um, and not leading, you know, with 
what you think the story is. You have to let people tell you their story and then it's your responsibility to um, share that, share their story the way that, you know, it, it should be told. Um, but anyway, now I'm again going off on a tangent. <laughs> My point is that you should, you know, you have to build your portfolio. So you have to start somewhere and, and that's how I did it. <laughs> do you reach out to editors or do they reach out to you or how does freelancing work in regards to getting, you know, um, getting work. <laughs> so at this point it's both. Um, most of the time I reach out to editors. If there's a publication, if there's a, it, it really does start with the story idea. If there's a story idea. If there is a trend that I'm seeing, if there's something that is of interest to me, I develop a story, um, in like my head and I kind of bullet it out and I say like, this is what I think it is. Like mm-hmm. I said, you have to let everybody kind of tell their story and, Absolutely. and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it's good to have an idea or a theme or, you know, a topic obviously. And if, and then I, from there decide, is there a publication that this would fit best? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm probably not going to be pitching stories about pregnancy to, men's fitness but like maybe if guys want to know about their you know girlfriends their wives etc um but it has to be on brand Mm -hmm. so that's one way is just developing story and then there have been times where i've seen a publication i you know i read it regularly i flip through the magazine or the newspaper or the website and i say i really want to write for them because i like what's going on here and i find a story that i know that their readers would enjoy just Mm -hmm. based on you know, other topics and, um, other stories that they're publishing. So I am generally pitching the ideas, but sometimes, yeah, but sometimes now that I've worked for, you know, um, so many publications, my editors will move to different publications and then ask me to contribute. So just depends. So in regards to pitching, right, you already had so much experience with journalism. So for instance, Mm -hmm. if I think I have an amazing story idea. Like I love traveling. So maybe I want to write about Mount Everest, right? Yep. And, and you should. <laughs> <laughs> so would they pick someone like me to write about it? Or does it have to be someone with an experience in journalism? I think that it definitely helps to have experience in journalism or at least having um, writing samples. So that's why it's so important to build a portfolio and build clips, but you don't necessarily need to be published for like, a New York Times, it would probably help. But if you're, you know, pitching a blog or you're pitching a website, a travel website, and you really want to write this piece about Mount Everest, tell them, say, I'm like, I'm researching this, I'm doing the work or I'm going and I'm visiting. And they might come back to you and say, okay, do you have writing samples? In which case you're going to say either, yes, here are some of my published pieces, or you're going to say, no, but here is an example of what I can do. And what you would do is basically make a mock article and say, um, you know, say that you went to, I don't know, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Anywhere that you went and you would just, you would write a travel article and, and just show like this, this is an example of what I can do for you. Wow. So, um, so, for people, right? Um, I have some friends who want to do blogging. I am doing podcasting. I started like April and I think it's, I thought like starting a podcast, getting people for interview would be a hard part. And that is obviously a hard part, but the hardest part is having your brand or, you know, networking or getting the words out. So what advice would you give to someone who's starting out to get their word out or, you know, get in a level where you have in terms of your networking skills? I think that you need to, okay. So for me, I write about many different things, Mm -hmm. but if you're specifically interested in travel, for instance, and you want to be a travel writer, um, my best advice would be to not only read those publications that you want to be involved in, but reach out to the editors. You can always ask questions. I mean, a lot of their email addresses are, you know, posted online or you can find them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can reach out. I wouldn't be like super creepy and, (laughs) and stalk their lives, but you know, if there are people who you really admire, um, and this happens all the time, especially sometimes it happens to me. And a lot of the time it happens to my friends who have, 
now made a living off of Instagram is people will DM them all the time and just ask advice. And I think, you know, every single person that you talk to, whether you learn 10 things, you learn one thing, it's a good connection to have. And, um, you know, they might be able to point you in the right direction as far as how to pitch them if they're an editor or how to pitch their publication or that sort of thing. I mean, everybody's different, but, um, yeah, I think that obviously be mindful. You don't want to like creep people out, but like if you reach out to people, typically people are pretty responsive. Mm. And so as far as networking goes, I think that it's always an, an easy thing to just connect with people, especially if you have the same interests, Yeah, you know? Um, I don't know if, you know, Kim Kardashian will respond to your direct <laughs> message, but you know, an editor who writes about her might. So yeah. it's worth trying. You have nothing to lose. That's uh, true. No, I agree with you. And also, I think one thing that will help is like if you are just starting out, you probably don't want to collaborate or work with Kim Kardashian. But if you know someone, you know, who has a decent follower and you know does stuff about Kim Kardashian, maybe you guys can work together and have Kim Kardashian's uh, followers know about you and you know about her followers. Mm-hmm. So that could be something that could work for them as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because um, even if you're not working with the person, maybe you're the A-list person that you really, really want to collaborate with or whatever it is, like you should still work with people who are on, you know, your level and making their way up as well mm-hmm. because nobody, you know, walked into any publication or any job and was like, well, unless they created it themselves, but was like, all right, this place has been around for 20 years, you you know, or 200 years or whatever it is. And I'm going to be the editor in chief or I'm going to be the CEO unless you've created it yourself. Um, but yeah, I think that you should always speak and learn and and get to know people on all levels because it's so it's so helpful in so many ways, especially now when you know there might be some older generations who aren't as familiar with certain terms or certain tools, especially like social media, and you'll be learning a lot more from those people who are you know working their way up. I love when you just say creating yourself and you know I love that your mentality is like you create your own opportunity and Mm -hmm. I really aspire to do as well so if you are 21 right out of college and you want to create the life you have now right Mm -hmm. like right now 2017 how would you go about it I would start yesterday I would say you know if there's something yeah if there's something that you're passionate about um, especially a career like mine, there's no set path. You don't have to wait until graduation. You don't have to wait till you're 21. You don't have to wait for somebody to tell you that, you know, this is how you should pitch things. or This is how you should do things or that you need to, um, you know, start your first day of work to start writing. That's not how it works. You know, start blogging. Start, start blogging, start, you know, DMing people. Watch now. Everybody's going to DM people (laughs) and be like, I'm not being creepy, but hi. Um, please everyone, please DM me. I will respond. Um, but, uh, I think that like you can start today. You can start yesterday. You can, whatever it is. Um, for me personally, I think that having been in an office, even for a very short period of time was helpful mm-hmm. so that I knew how to, how people worked mm-hmm. on the other end of things. Cause I work with a lot of publicists now. And I think that a lot of editors or, or, you know, journalists, maybe they aren't a hundred percent aware of like what goes on on their, the other end, the day to day, you know, um, I think we, as journalists, we see a lot of events that publicists put on and, um, we obviously get a lot of emails and that sort of thing, but you, you don't know the strategy necessarily that goes into it or the hours or, you know, the time commitment and that sort of thing. And I think that just that as an example, knowing how people are functioning in the office, you kind of, it makes you smarter about not only what you can do with like your time and how to best, um, use it, but also, 
uh, I don't know. It kind of, it just expands your mind and it keeps you concentrated about like just how people function in a desk job. So, um, yeah, you can kind of like analyze how you want to differ. And you are in their position too. So you know, like what they're thinking or what they're doing at this point. So now you're in a different side so you can just work with their schedule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, like you're not overstepping boundaries if you ask certain questions and you kind of have a better idea of like, you know, what's off limits and, um, that sort of thing. So I think it's, it's, it was helpful for me to have done PR for a bit. Um, but yeah, it's kind of twofold. I think it it just depends on your path and like what it is that you're looking for. Mm. Because on one hand, like I said, you don't have to start your first day at work to start writing. And on the other hand, I think that it's beneficial to see how other people, you know, function in certain jobs. So, absolutely. Most people wait for that perfect opportunity. They're like, "I'm gonna do it once I have everything figured out," and that never happens. Yeah, I. I mean, maybe it happens, but I think that some of the best stories and some of the best, um, you know, results kind of come from just "I'm gonna do it." I'm mm-hmm. just gonna. I'm not gonna wait. Um, I think you can plan things like you can prepare, but in the long run, I think, you know, when people are like, I'm waiting for a sign, I'm waiting for a sign. <laughs> what is it going to be? It's like, you, you know what you're thinking, right? Like, it's like I said, like week to week, if you're like, yeah, this job isn't for me. And then the next week you're like, this job isn't for me. And then 52 weeks later, it's been a year and you're like, this job isn't for me. I mean, I think that everybody has to move at their own pace and do what they're comfortable with. And I don't think that quitting your job and having nothing lined up is a smart decision. I mean, I did it. I don't, I don't think that it is the decision for everyone, but I do. I also don't think that like, you know, somebody's going to walk up to you on the street or random stranger and be like, today's the day to quit your job. And you're going to be like, <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Because a, you're not going to trust some random person and B, I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe if I start walking through, you know, New York and telling people today's the day you should quit your job, maybe somebody will listen, but I don't want to be responsible for that. Um, but yeah. That's funny. Okay. So you write about a lot of things like about mental, mental illness for women at work, or mm-hmm. the reason I found out about you is through Chris Leamy's post and you write about, you know, like seven annoying thing you can do to piss someone at the restaurant. So yeah. what's, <laughs> what's like the most rewarding topic you have covered? Oh my God. Um, most rewarding topic. I think that it honestly, it's not about the topic per se. It's more about what the story is that I'm getting across. I think that a lot of the times there have been instances where I've covered, um, you know, chefs with small restaurants who sometimes don't get that acknowledgement that, you know, larger restaurants get or that sort of thing. Um, and it's really, it means more to me when people read my stories. Like when you had emailed me and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because like, sometimes you forget, like you're going through the day-to-day function of just like, okay, I'm getting the story done. And along the way you get to meet really cool people with, you know, awesome stories. And they're, it's not, it's not even about, um, I mean, they're so thankful just to have their voice heard. And I think that that, that matters. Number one. And number two, on the other end of the spectrum is it affects so many people Mm -hmm. that are now, their perception has changed or they're aware. And then you, it's so weird, but you've kind of like created this relationship between this person who's doing this awesome, magical thing or like helping someone or, you know, creating a colossal, like whatever it is, ice cream Sunday, or like just working so hard every day to make a change. And then you get to hear from people who are reading your work and have been affected by this in mm-hmm. a positive manner and are like, you know, because of me, the middleman, who really, I'm just telling people stories and delivering it. That's my job. Um, but like, you forget that, like, because it is, 
I mean, listen, like I love my job and I don't want to say that like job is a bad word, but sometimes that, that the magic that is happening isn't something that you really realize each article. Sometimes like it does take an email or, um, you know, a thank you or a phone call or a text message that, that really puts that in perspective. Sometimes it's a comment on a post or it's like a DM, which is like, Oh, I read your article, this and that, whatever. Um, that really kind of ties it back together. So there've been a lot of stories that I've written that I, I feel very connected to, but most of the time it's not because of the specific topic. It's just because of the storytellers and then people who are reading the stories. Is there one that has changed your perspective? Um, you have to think like top of your head. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was um, an article that I wrote. It was my first article for USA Today that I wrote about Jen Selter. Um, she is a star on Instagram. And this was kind of around the time where people were starting to gain very large followings that weren't celebrities. Um, and it, it definitely opened me up to an entire community, obviously on this app, that was very fitness-focused. Um that was very interesting to me. And I mean, that was a big deal to me because it was my, it was the first piece that I had written for a national newspaper. But I mean, there can just, I don't even know the number of articles <laughs> that I've written. Probably somewhere in, if not, definitely in the thousands. Wow. So yeah, there've been a lot. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And Instagram is huge. Huge now. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. Like, people make a living out of it. Oh Yeah. They absolutely do. <laughs> Which is amazing. It makes me so happy that you don't have to wait for someone else to tell you what you do. Like yeah. you said, you can create your own opportunity. Yeah. And it's just amazing if you have an idea and if you have like the creative side to make it happen, you can make anything happen. Absolutely. You are your own boss or your own content creator. You... Yeah, I mean, and you affect so many people, and it's, it's you know, similar to what I was just saying, it, depending on what category it is. I mean, there are people who specifically focus on food. There are people who specifically focus on fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like Jen, I remember specifically when I interviewed her, her biggest goal was just to motivate people. And I'm sure she would know, obviously, more than I would. But in the same sense of having that effect on people from writing your words, she wanted to motivate people to get in shape and be healthy. And I'm sure that she has heard so many stories from people who who said, you know, your videos did this for me or, you know, your advice did that. So, yeah, it's just, it's very, um, it's interesting and it's cool that, that somebody can just, you know, post a picture and a caption and really influence tens of thousands, millions of people. That's amazing. Instantly. Can I ask some rapid fire questions? Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) You can take your time. Okay. (laughs) Let's take a deep breath. What are some of the common misconceptions about you? I think that maybe not me per se, because I think that people who know me know that I am very self-motivated, that I am waking up, you know, at 7am, I work out, I have a full day and I'm so super busy. I think that people see freelancers sometimes as we do what we want and, you know, we can sleep until noon. We, um, you know, wear our pajamas all day. (laughs) We do whatever it is that we want. And I think that's complete, BS. Um, obviously, if you're a freelancer, you are working to the ridiculous hours. Maybe more than full time. Maybe more than full time, mm-hmm. and and you're not on your own schedule. You're on everybody else's schedule. So if somebody says, you know, we have a phone call this time, which you know you need to join it, you join it. You're not like, oh, well, it's not going to work for me because I have to watch my daytime soap opera. Like that's not happening. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I think. Um, I think that while I do have a lot of flexibility for some things, not everything is flexible. And, um, yeah, I'm definitely not like sitting in my bed all day or like, you know, working from my couch though. That happens on occasion, but but not for like 12 hours straight. 
when you say self-motivated, is that something you've always been or is this something you've cultivated over time? No, I think that I've always been like a go-getter and self-motivated. Um, I, yeah, that's just been me to the core. <laughs> yeah. um, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? People never ask me. Mm. I can tell you that like a lot of people always ask me specifically from my red carpet days, everyone always asks who's your favorite person to interview. And sometimes they'll ask who's the nicest or they'll ask like, who's the meanest or like, tell me a, tell me a rumor or something that whatever it is. Um, those are always very popular questions often, but would like to hear more of people asking, um, maybe what was something that you learned from the last article you wrote? Hmm. Because even so, like having done this for, you know, almost five and a half years, definitely five years, um, you know, writing so many articles about so many different topics. The best part of my job is that I get to learn something new every day. But a lot of the time you hear a lot of the same advice. You hear the same like fitness tips. You hear the same, you know, beauty tips. You hear the same information. But, but my job obviously is to uncover new information and that's why it's newsworthy and that's why it's now. And so that's something that I wish that people would ask more of instead of, you know, the, the things like who's really nice or, um, even, you know, what, what are you, a lot of people ask me like, well, what's the last article you're working on or what are you working on today? And I love that. That's great. And I'll, I'll talk about that forever. But, um, yeah. Ask me what I learned. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. If someone is, um, listening and who really wants to pursue you, they should definitely take this note. Yes. <laughs> ask me what I learned today. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite movie or documentary? Um, one of my favorite documentaries is the September issue. And I was, I was never like growing up. I mean, one of my best friends, she is very like high fashion, you know, it, it was so into every single like, you know, Gucci Prada, Louboutin knew everything about it. And I admire fashion and I think it's fun and I, and I like it, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here in like shorts and like a tank top and like, I prefer running shoes mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes the five inch heels are nice, but like, you know, <laughs> whatever. I'm more low maintenance, but my point is, um, the September issue is all about, um, what goes into the September issue of Vogue every year, which is their biggest issue. And for me, even though fashion was never like my passion per se, watching that and and really realizing what goes into a magazine and how technical things are and really seeing a behind the scenes look at such a powerhouse like Vogue which people don't have the opportunity to do mm -hmm. ever is just it's so eye-opening and interesting um and just watching uh, Anna Wintour and how she works and how the team works is is very cool so I recommend it it's a little bit old it's like a it's I want to say it's almost 10 years old maybe at this point maybe not I'll but. definitely check it out. And, I mean, it's 10 years since 2007, and it feels like yesterday. Yeah, it, it does. It really does. <laughs> it's crazy. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? My 18-year-old self? Um, starting college. I... You could be 20. Yeah, even 20. I'm trying 21. to think. Like, I feel like maybe I would tell myself not to worry, but... At the same time, I think that, like, being nervous and being interested was always, it still helps now. I mean, I don't, like, worry, right? Uh, sometimes I worry. But I think that, like, I don't know. It, it sounds so cliche to just be like, oh, enjoy everything and, like, have fun. And, like, but I think maybe what I would, I don't know, what would I recommend to myself? Funny thing is every single person I've asked this question says the same thing. I'll tell them to relax a little bit. Yeah, like maybe, but like... But then I ask, like, if you said, if you'd relax, would you still be this successful? Yeah, and I don't know that I would. And not in, like, an obsessive way. Just in, like, I think that when you're 
excited about something, you care about something, you worry about it. Because if you didn't care, then like, yeah, you just wait for things to come. And I think, especially being a freelancer and being in this industry, you have to be self-motivated. You have to be a go-getter. You, you care about your stories and you care about your career because you're making it, you're creating it. You're not waiting for somebody to, you know, tell you what to do. So no, maybe I'm going to, I'm going to come up with something good. (laughs) Um, any books that influenced you? Um, books that influenced me. I, I don't know. Like I, I really love it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's kind of influencing. I love the alchemist. I just read Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance because I'm funny? I'm obsessed. <laughs> I mean, I'm obsessed with Master of None. So I had to, it's basically the book version of Master of None, but it's so smart. And he talks about how relationships are in different countries and how, you know, there's the phone you, which is like, oh, I'm talking to like this girl or this guy. And this is how I have to communicate on text when that's like not a real thing, but also like it explores dating apps and it like talks about how just, it's just so brilliant. Um, I don't know if that's actually, I want to download my audible and listen at work, but I know it's going to be a bad idea. Just, you have, you have (laughs) to read it though. It's so good. Um, I don't know if it's influenced me, but it's, it's definitely given me an interesting perspective. Um, about, our generation and how and how we interact with each other not just dating but you know sure. so that's a good one cool where can people find you everywhere just kidding <laughs> um, um, actually just google just name. google me um no they can find me i'm on instagram it's hillary h-i-l-a-r-y writes w-r-i-t-e-s-n-y i'll write in my show notes and i have to follow you too yeah follow me follow you back <laughs> last question what is your definition of courage courage i think that it's it's different things to different people and at different times in your life so it can be you know, speaking up or it can be, you know, a forging a path that hasn't, hasn't been before and doing something different. Um, I think it can be being a leader and having that authority. Um, I think it's just, I think the, I think at the core though, courage is something that it has to do with fear. So whatever it is that, that 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 fits into whether it is like you know doing your own thing or standing up for yourself or whatever it is it's because there's something in the background pushing you to to change and to take charge so thank you so much thank you this has been awesome Hey, you guys, thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure to subscribe because every single week I will come up with awesome and epic interviews like this one. And do not forget to check out my website, limitlessgrid.com for show notes.